Turn in the book of John, John chapter 4. If you don't have your Bibles with you, steal your neighbors. So quit picking on me, man. All right, John chapter 4. How many of you can watch me this whole time like this? (laughs) This is going to be a little bit difficult. All right, get into the book of John chapter 4. All right, I got to take this off. Keep the suspenders. The suspenders are making my pants ride a little bit. (laughs) All right. We're going to actually do a contest at the end for whoever looks the best. So stick around. And if you look the best, you might get a prize. We're going to hand out some GM Ignite hoodies. So if your outfit is ridiculous... You might win. All right, John chapter 4. We're going to jump right in it once I get my suspenders off. Yeah. The whole time I will talk like that. All right, how many of you got your Bibles? Three people. Four people. Yes. Four people. John chapter 4, verse what? Three, six, nine. Who said it? One. Verse one. I actually was going to start in verse three. Whoever said three? Actually, I was going to start in four, but that's close to three. First John, just kidding. John four. John four, verse one. Jesus is in the Bible quite a bit. The Bible is about. Jesus, Jesus knew the Pharisees had heard that he was baptizing and making more disciples than John. John the Baptist, that is. Though Jesus himself did not baptize them, his disciples did. So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. He had, keyword here, he had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village of Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, yes, Jesus got tired. He was fully human. I like the verse, I think it's John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. He cried. He got tired. He was completely human. That has nothing to do with what I'm talking about. He was tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well at about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had gone into the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. We're going to stop right there for a second. Give you a little bit of backstory. Jews, Samaritans did not get along. Okay, it started back after David's reign. It was during Solomon's reign that they had this big split in their kingdom. It was like what you would see now like a church split, right? Half went this way, half went the other way. There were doctrinal differences. They believed different things. But in this case, they ended up really hating each other, thinking each other as outcasts. And so they would never actually 
even go through each other's cities. They would go around and they would have nothing to do with one another. So when we see here, it says Jesus had to go through Samaria. He had to. It was like he was forced to be there. Although Jesus had it planned his whole time. But there was this route that needed to go that way and he needed to go through this village. Now this is just something that they never did. They, they absolutely hated each other. So first, Jesus is going into this place and he's going to go talk to a Samaritan. Right? And so that was just big a big no-no. Like they just didn't talk. They didn't hang out. They didn't look at each other. They didn't even go to each other's cities. That's how bad it was. But Jesus decides to go there anyways, and he decides to strike up a conversation with this Samaritan woman. Now, there's the second strike. She was also a woman. Okay, back in this culture, men didn't just go out and talk to women like that in a friendly way. It it wasn't like that, right? Women would mostly stay back, stay like they didn't intermingle all the time like that. Okay, and so in this case, he not only was talking to a Samaritan, but he was talking to a Samaritan woman. So this woman is shocked that Jesus is even noticing her. He has, she has no idea who, she, who he is, but he knows that she knows that he's a Jew. So first question, why are you even talking to me? Right? He, she's so confused that he's even there, let alone asking her for something. Okay, so this woman, he says, please give me a drink. The woman was surprised for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you were speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. Now, Jesus is kind of flipping it back onto her now. And he talks in this language that when we hear it now, we understand what he's talking about, living water. Well, back then, somebody called water living water, it'd probably freak you out. Like, living water? Like, it just gets up and moves around? And What is living water? Like, she has no idea what living water is, but I think Jesus just liked to shock people when he'd say things like that and things like, can't enter, enter the kingdom of heaven unless you eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, right? He doesn't mean these things literally, but they always take them literally. So she has no idea what what he's talking about. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? So she's thinking realistically. She's thinking real water here. And he's just switched it on her. And he's no longer just talking about water. Right? He's talking about life. Eternal life. Right? He's talking to her about salvation in this moment. That there will be freedom for you. You would be set free. You would have eternal life. But he uses it by saying living water and just shocks her. So she's still thinking literally. Where are you going to get your bucket? You don't even have a bucket. It's probably not hidden in your robe there. And then she says in the side, Do you think you're greater than our ancestor, Jacob, who gave us this well? 
How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water that I give them will never thirst again. Again, he's not just talking about water anymore. He's talking about eternal life with him. He's talking about salvation. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, this woman says, give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go get your husband, Jesus told her. Told her. And she said, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, you're right. You don't have a husband, for you have had five husbands. Ouch. And you aren't even married to the one you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. We're going to keep going in just a second, but let's break this down again. He tells her he has living water, and she wants this living water. Again, she's thinking just water that's not going to make her thirst again, that she won't have to keep coming back. And she says this, she says, then I won't have to keep coming back to this well. Now, if we look back at the beginning, it says it's in around noontime that she's out there. The sixth hour is what they say. They start the hours at six. So 6 a.m. was the first hour. And the first and second hour is usually when the women would go and get the water for the entire day. Now, why is this woman coming at noon instead of six or seven in the morning? Right? They'd go in the morning because it's not as hot outside. That's a sweet nose, by the way. Just saw that. They would come when it was early in the morning so that they would go fetch this water. It wasn't hot outside or it wasn't as hot. Look, this is Jerusalem, so it's like burning up outside. Like it's super hot. And so they're trying to avoid the heat and the rush, right? Usually the women would go and they would go together. They would hang out. They would have a good time together. They would talk. They would get their water. Then they would go back, and they would go back home. Now, this woman would wait till everybody was gone, till it was the hottest time, knowing that nobody would be there, knowing that she was completely alone. She didn't have to face anybody, right? And this tells us a lot about this woman, that she had a fear of people and what they would think of her, or, or and she was outcasted in this community because of the things that she had done. And then we learned she had had five husbands and was on her six that wasn't even a husband yet, right? But it was still living with her. So she obviously had some stuff in her life. She had some sin in her life and she was trying to hide that sin and she was trying to completely hide from everybody else and let nobody else see her. So she would go when it was the hottest, when nobody would ever go she would be there all alone with nobody else. So she was not expecting to see somebody there. Probably one of the first times that anybody was there while she was there. Because the women were the ones who fetched the water, and they would do that in the morning. And so Jesus then calls her out, says, I know you. I see you. 
I see everything that you've done. I see your entire life. I see what you've been through. I know who you are. She's walking around trying to hide who she truly is, the things that she's done. She's trying to put this mask on and and hope that nobody sees and just avoid everybody else except for her and the person that she's living with at that time. She's trying to hide. And Jesus comes out and comes right up to her. Jesus pursues her. Jesus knows what she did. Jesus knows, first of all, that she's a Samaritan, and Jews, by nature, hate Samaritans. But he went after her anyways. Then he also knew that she was a woman, a Samaritan woman, two strikes against her, but he went after her anyways. And then the third thing that he knew was her life and her sin and everything that she had done, yet he pursued after her anyways. He loved her. He saw her. He saw the depths of what she had been through and what she was going through, yet he loved her anyways. He loved her in spite of it. And so we get to this point where he says, he, he knows she doesn't have a husband right now, so kind of sets her up for this. And then she says, sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that Jews insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship while we Samaritans claim it is here at Mount Gerizim? Now, where our ancestors worship. Now, she's trying to take the whole focus off of what he just called out on her, right? Trying to change the subject, trying to go to something else, like hopes that he's not going to bring that up again. And Jesus said, believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you, are, whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship. While we Jews know all about him, for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming, indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. Now the Samaritans, like we were talking about originally, they had kind of a different doctrine. They only believed the first five books of the Old Testament. So they didn't look at the rest of it. They just looked at those five. And so there was a lot of truth that was missing in the way that the Samaritans worshiped God. They still worshiped God, but they didn't know him in the same way that the Jews did. So they always had different places of worship and different thoughts and beliefs. And that's why they fought all the time. But Jesus said, it's not going to matter where you worship. It doesn't matter even now where you worship. It matters your heart and that you're worshiping out of spirit and out of truth, and out of knowing what you're worshiping, and knowing who you are, and knowing who you are in Christ. So this whole time, he's talking about himself, and he is leading her to him. He's warming her up for salvation. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way, for God is spirit. So those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming. The one who is called Christ, when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see the man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? This woman had just had 
salvation, had just gotten saved. In that moment, because she put her faith in him, she knew he was the Messiah. She understood what he was talking about with the living water. And this woman had been living her whole life, or at least majority of her life, hiding. Hiding from people. Hiding from her sins. Not letting anybody know who she truly was. Hiding behind her water jar. Right? Going only when she knew nobody else would be there. That's when she would leave and she hid her entire life, letting nobody know who she really was. Fearing what people would think of her. Never knowing truly who God was. Fearing what he would think of her. And then we see at this moment, she had gone there to get water, right? What does she do? She leaves her water and runs. She didn't care about her water anymore. She had just found the living water. She had just found everything that she needed in Christ Jesus. And she ran to those people she'd been hiding from. She ran to them boldly and was like, I found the Messiah. I don't even care if you know me or hate me. I found him. And she jumped up and down. She was excited because she had found the Christ, the one who was coming to save her and set her free. She didn't come saying, hey, guess what? I've changed my acts and I'm no longer sinning and committing adultery and doing all these things, right? She said, I found the Messiah. She wasn't even worried about that anymore. She set her mind and her focus on him because he had set her free. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, that your, your word is alive and living in us. God, we thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to die on the cross for us for that death that we deserve. Lord, we thank you that we're set free in you. God, we thank you that we have eternal life in you. God, we thank you that we can worship you freely. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have you guys ever heard of a game called Peekaboo? If you are terrible with children, play peekaboo. Super easy. Gets all of them to laugh. They can't handle the peekaboo. Just die laughing. Okay, so peekaboo, if you don't know, you put your hands over your face. You pretend like nobody can see you. And then you open it up and you say peekaboo. It's fun, right? See, you guys are even laughing. You still enjoy it. It's a great game. A game of peekaboo. Well, I play this with my daughter. She loves it. She's always loved it. And now she's starting to do it back to us, so it's super cute. She'll just put her hands over her eyes and look at you and say, peekaboo, and hide back. And she'll even do it when we play another game called hide-and-go-seek. Heard of that one? It's where one hides and the other goes seek. So, so we'll be hiding, right? Or I'll tell her to go hide. And she'll go like sit on the couch and do this. Right? If, if I can't see you, you can't see me. Can't see me, right? Right, but she's right there in the open. She could be standing in the middle of the room. Where's Olivia? She's so cute. We'll be like looking around for her and I'll be like, where's Olivia? Is she in Micah's hood? She'll go, no. Is she behind Larry's ear? No. 
right? She doesn't quite understand the concept, but she's super adorable. And I think in the same way we do this in our lives, that we walk around trying to hide our faces, trying to pretend we're something else, trying to pretend we're somebody else, try and hide from the things we've done, try and hide from the things people have done to us. And we put on these masks, we put on these fronts, and we think, nobody can see me if I put my hands over my face. Nobody can see me if I hide from this. But see, when God looks down on us, all he sees is a little kid with the hands over the face, but he still sees everything in us. He sees everything about us. We cannot hide from him. We cannot run from him. His presence is always with us, and it's always for us. But we constantly are running and hiding from him. And God is saying to you tonight, exactly what Mariah was prophesying earlier, is that I see you. I see you. I see who you are. I see what you've done. I see who you're pretending to be, but I also see who you really are. I see you, Micah. Like he's right there in front of you. I won't do that to Delevee because I might spit on her. He says, I see you. You're hiding, you're spending your whole life hiding and running from who you really are and running from me, but I know who you really are. And I know how I've made you to be. And I know what I've put inside of you. And you're trying to be something else or you're trying to win the approval of somebody else rather than seeking me. See, the Samaritan woman was doing that same thing. She was spending her life hiding. She would go out when nobody else was there. She would wait for everybody to be gone. Then she would sneak out. But the moment that she knew that Jesus saw everything about her and loved her anyways and accepted her anyways and came after her, even though she was a Samaritan, a woman, and in sin, he still loved her. And so she dropped everything she was doing and ran to him. We need to constantly be doing that. That we're constantly running after him. See, we can still do this after we're saved. We can still start hiding from the things that we've done. We mess up. We go through some struggle, some situation. Or we just have some low times in our lives. And we're just slowly starting to go do something else. Hopefully nobody's going to see us. You know, and sometimes... It's the good things that we do that we think nobody else sees, right? You're serving people, you're blessing people, but you feel like nobody's noticing you. Nobody's noticing the things that you're doing. Nobody notices that you are a blessing. Nobody knows who you truly are, what you've really been through. Maybe you feel like you don't have these close, intimate friends that really know who you are really know the depths of you. But God knows the depths of you. He knows the intimate pieces of your life. In the same way he knew that woman, before she ever said anything to him, he knew her, and he loved her, and he called her, and he called her by name, and he went after her, even when he wasn't supposed to. He went after her. He'd go to the lepers. He'd go after them, even when he wasn't supposed to. And he would touch them like that. They weren't supposed to. 
But he did it anyways because he loved people and he constantly is pursuing you and wants to be with you. But you've got to allow him to really know you. You've got to take off your little hands, not cut them off, but take them off your face and stop trying to hide. Stop trying to hide from who you are. Stop trying to hide from who he's made you to be. Stop trying to hide and just go low key and just just slip on by in life. God has made you for greatness. He's called you by name and has a personal destiny for you. And it's not mediocre. But you have to go towards him. In the same way that woman, once she realized who he really was, she was unashamed and ran and told everybody. We've got to live a life of being unashamed of of who we are in front of people. Be unashamed of of who God has called you to be at your school. Stop pretending you're something else or somebody else. Quit hiding from God and let him rock your world. Let him do something amazing in your heart. Let him do something amazing through you. God has set you free from your sin, so don't keep holding on to it. Don't keep going back. God has mighty plans for each one of you. And he sees the things that you do. He sees the depth of your heart. He sees those things that you do in secret, whether they're good or they're bad. Right? I know there's times where we, we're, we're serving, we're blessing people, we're being an example, but nobody notices it. Or they more than not notice it, they're mean back to you or make fun of you for being nice. But God wants you to know that he sees those little things that you do and that you're called to do them in private. Look at Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. This is Jesus talking. He's teaching right now, and he says this. He says, watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others. For you will lose your reward from your Father in heaven. So that means if you start doing these awesome things, you say, hey, do you see everything I just did? I gave that guy $1,000. Wasn't that awesome of me? You just lost it. You lost your reward. You had a little crown, a little jewel on your crown, and he took it back off. Nope, lost that one. When you give to someone in need, don't do it as the hypocrites do, blowing trumpets in the synagogues and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. Not charity buyer. Charity. I tell you the truth, they have received all the reward they will get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your Father, will, who sees everything, will reward you. Highlight that if you have a Bible and you have a pen. Who sees everything. Your Father who sees everything. He sees every good work you've done. He sees every act of kindness you've done. He sees every time you gave, whether or not anybody else saw it, he sees it. Every time you were nice to somebody who was putting you down, he sees it. I got lost. I tell you the truth, that's the, the only reward you will get. But when you pray, gosh, I skipped way down. Oh, here we go. 
When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. Tell you the truth, that is all the reward they will ever get. But when you pray, go by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to the Father in private. Then your Father who sees everything will reward you. And when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do, for they try to look miserable and deshelved so people will admire them for their fasting. Whoa, man. I haven't eaten in like eight days. Look at me. Look how bad I look. I tell you the truth, that is the only reward they will ever get. Looking miserable, that's a good reward. But when you fast, comb your hair and wash your face. You should do this anyways. Then no one will notice that you are fasting except your father who knows what you do in private. And your father who sees everything will reward you. These are just some examples. But everything that you do, God sees it. He sees the heart behind it. He sees the intentions behind it. And when you think nobody else is noticing, nobody else cares, I might as well just go back and hang out with my sinner friends. God sees you. God knows you. He knows your heart. He knows what's inside of you. And he knows you're not living up to your full potential and he wants to pour himself inside of you. But we have to be like the woman at the well that jumps for joy when we see what God has done for us, when we see that we found the Messiah and not hide anymore and not run away from our problems and our hurts and our pains, but to open them up and to give them to God, to lay them before him. And God will constantly renew you. He'll renew your heart. He'll renew your mind. God sees you. He sees you. He sees what you've done, and he loves you. He sees your sin, and he loves you anyways. It's not that you got saved because you did something right. right? He loved you in the midst of your sin. Ephesians 2, I'll prove it to you. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil. The commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. But God, here's the good part. But God, who is so rich in mercy... And he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when, we, when he raised Christ from the dead. It is only by grace, God's grace that you have been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms, realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the, the good things he has planned long ago. It is not by the works that you did in the first place. So God knows where you're at. He knows the sin that you've done, yet he loves you. Yet he died for you. And even when we've come to know Jesus and, 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 and we've 
We've already been saved, yet we go back and we still sin. God still loves you. He still cares for your heart. And he wants you to turn to him. He wants you to quit hiding. He wants you to not put your mask up and to be who he's created you to be. Not who the world wants you to be, but who he's created you to be. God has a destiny and a plan for all of you. But you have to accept it and go after it. In the same way that woman did, she accepted it with joy and went after it and told everybody and was unashamed. You ought to be and I ought to be unashamed of the gospel and of our testimony and what God's done in our life. Amen? Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. And then we're going to pick who the true winner is. The real Slim Shady. Father God, we thank you so much, Lord, for your grace, God, your mercy. God, we thank you so much that you have loved us and that you see us. God, we thank you that you see us for who we are. We, you see everything about us, and you love us no matter what, God. Father, we're thankful that we are your children. God, we are your heirs. And Father... I pray, Lord, that we would continually seek you back and stop hiding and stop trying to be something else, but to take the masks off, to take our hands down, and to run at you unashamed of who you are and what you've done in our lives. Lord, we love you. We honor you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. I do.